Why, hello there, everybody. It's me, ya boy. <laughs> it's me, Corey, and I'm joined with nobody else. It's just me. Because, uh, we're doing something a little wacky for, for this, this spooky Halloween. So, Call of Cthulhu has, uh, in the starter box, there's a short little adventure. It's called Alone Against the Flames. The gimmick is that you can play it completely by yourself. It's done as like a choose your own adventure book. And uh, that's what we're going to be doing this fine Halloween evening. Even though I'm recording this October 9th. So there you go. Now you have the date exactly when this was recorded. So <clears throat> I think that's enough rambling. Let's get into it. The sun is high in the sky, a merciless ball of heat. You feel scorched by the time you reach the bus halt in front of Osborne's drugstore. It's a relief to put down your heavy cases and take off your hat for a moment. You fan your face, it has been a long summer here in your hometown, and yet a curiously empty one. You look across the street at the grubby butcher's shop, the grocer's with its fading, faded awning, and the shabby tobacconist. Mistrustful faces glare at you as they pass, sighing your clothes and luggage. It was your parents' choice to live here, not yours. You were happy down south as a child amongst Providence's white-walled houses and leafy churchyards. Perhaps this new job in Arkham will supply the change you need. Yet everyone you know in the world lives here. You know no one in Arkham, not one soul. You ask yourself one last time if you're doing the right thing. The answer is here. None of your supposed friends have come to see you off. You are alone. Whatever challenges lie in Arkham will be a new life and a brave one. A small gray motor coach approaches and rattles to a stop. You put your hat back on and pick up your cases. And after that, says, uh, go to 263. <clears throat> 263, that's close to like the end of the book. Cool. I don't know how well this will go. Maybe this will go really bad. I don't know. I'm just kind of rolling with it. Two sixty-three. Mm-hmm. Two young men with sullen expressions, a light from the coach. One looks down oh sorry, looks you up and down before heading away. The driver also steps down, glancing at you before crossing the road to visit the tobacconist. When he returns, he is rolling a cigarette between his yellowed fingers. He gives it a final twist and examines you as he reaches for his matchbox. He is a thin man in his fifties. Dressed in a stained shirt with the bus company emblem, his eyes are sharp in their darkened sockets. Where to? <clears throat> uh, you show him your ticket for Ossipi. From there, you will connect to Rochester and Portsmouth for the coastal line to Newburyport and finally Arkham. You should be able to afford a rail ticket for at least some of the way, otherwise this will be the first of many long bus trips. The driver scratches the match and lights a cigarette. The ends flares, he takes a draw. He then exhales and gestures to the back of the coach. Logadrax up there. Booty booty boy. Okay. So that's the fun part. We get to. Partially, I'm too lazy to do that. Okay, and I gotta pull my notebook. Because this is the fun part. We get to partially make a character as we go along. Give me a second. I'm pulling up my notebook right now. So this is the fun part. I'm glad that did not hit the stop button. Otherwise, I would have screamed. I gotta move this out of the way. Pencil. Okay, look at your eight characteristics. Strength. Strength. Constitution. 
power, dexterity, appearance, size, intelligence, and education. You. Okay. So I get. Hmm. I get an 80. That's the thing. What do I want to spend that 80 in? I think I will make myself very dexterous. Uh, 50, I'll put that in, uh, I'll put like 40 in size, I'm not a, not a big boy. Okay, two sixties, a 70. You know what, 60. Then my con, put a 60 in my con. We'll put a 70 in my power. Put another, put that other 60 into my appearance. And I think that's just 50s. Not too shabby. Okay. Now I gotta go back and uh, page eight. Okay, and I passed it. It's going well already. Okay, page eight. <coughs> the driver smokes and watches you. Uh, you <laughs> the driver smokes and watches you. As you drag your cases to the back of the motor coach, the rack is set inconveniently high of the vehicle. You get a grip on the heavier case. Okay, it was 40. Go to 23. Okay. My size is 40, so I will go to 23. All right, book. 23. <laughs> you struggle for a few seconds before the driver comes up beside you and lends a hand, still puffing on a cigarette. Heavy bag, heavy bags for a smallin', he remarks. You judge it best to respond with a simple thanks. Now we get to go to page 233. This is a thrilling adventure already. I need to go back because I don't actually... <laughs> uh... No, don't be don't be lost already. It's going well. Uh, I'm getting lost. Okay, we're gonna go back to page eight because that's the last one I r distinctly remember. Okay, go to page twenty-three. Okay, two thirty-three. Okay. Let's like the book. Okay, I'm at 230, uh, 2.33. <clears throat> okay, the driver flicks a cigarette into the gutter and steps into the motor coach. Its engine coughs into life. You board grateful that you will be the only passenger for the initial part of your trip, at least. With mixed emotions, you watch from the window as you're... The tired avenues of your old home slip behind you, receding into the distance. For a few minutes, you can still see the church spire of the brow of, the, of a low hill. And then the road dips, and it's gone, too. Arkham is your new home. You'll travel there and make a new start. Don't care. That's another thing that doesn't completely matter to do right now. Okay. Uh, 120, I'm sorry, 134. Got it. This is the part where I get to roll something, okay. The coach putters through the countryside. At first, the interior is... 
sorry, stifling, and your stug lurches with every bend in the road. However, the driver opens the, his window, and by switching seats, you find a spot where the breeze hits your face. Soon you relax into the journey, observing the quaint little hamlets that the coach serves. A heavy-set woman boards at one settlement and gives you a polite nod. She gets off at the next one. The road rises a little, passing cornfields and orchards. The leaves are turning, and the trees are alive with glorious reds and golds. Uh, you begin to doze when the driver takes a tight bend at speed. Now we gotta do math really quick to get my thing. Okay. Okay. And I got 10 health. Okay. <laughs> cool. That totally not come to kill me later. Okay. But now I get... Okay, so now I get to make a, I get to make a dex roll. Cool. Let's get those dice, baby. That is a 63. That is higher than my dex. So that does not succeed. Okay. Cool. Oh, wait, no, sorry. 63 is lower than my dex. So I do succeed. Cool. Okay, 261. Okay. <coughs> I'm slowly dying in the background of this. Don't mind it. A desperate yell awakens you. You feel yourself slide from the seat as the driver spins the wheel and the motor coach plunges off the road. You grab hold of a seat in front just in time to prevent a painful fall. The coach stops with a thump. Now you see what has happened. A Fordson tractor has stopped in the road and your driver had to swerve to avoid the steel object. He leaps from his seat into the road, unleashing a string of curses at the farmer. You take a moment to catch your breath. Perhaps you should offer assistance. But the driver's already returned. He backs the coach up a little and threads it around the tractor, glaring at the farmer. The story is going... It's, it's a little humdrum. It's building suspense, my friend. There's 70-something. I need to double check that. Like my inability to remember. Jeez, that was like seventy something. Seventy one. Okay, so okay, I found it. I found it. Oh my back. Okay. You resume your journey. The driver takes the curves and with more caution than before. He glances over his shoulder at you a couple of times. Sorry about that before, he says. The fellow was dumber than a hog. I'm Silas. What's your name? No, you know. Uh, the accident was at least... Sorry, the accident was at least as much as Silas' fault as the farmer's, but it doesn't seem... Shrewd to antagonize the man while he's driving you through the middle of nowhere. Make up for name for your character. We will go with, uh... You know what? He's just gonna be me. Although I'm not a smart boy. Uh, he's just gonna be... He's just gonna be Cory. He's me. In real life. In this game. Okay, the coach turns on a narrower road, which weaves uphill through the woodlands. Silas becomes chatty. Going to Arkham, eh? Can't say I've heard too much of the place. Went to Boston once. Didn't like it. Too much hustle and bustle. You got family there? A special someone waiting? 
The afternoon is wearing on. You see no harm in confiding and satisfying about your new life. A job, huh? What's your line? I... Okay, so I could be... I could be an antiquarian, a doctor of medicine, a journalist. I'm gonna be a journalist, like in real life. I'm kidding, I'm not a journalist. It was that was a joke. It was it was uh, it was it was not meant to be real. Journalist. Okay, I'm a journalist. Go to two thirty-nine. I think this is going slightly well. I don't actually think so. Okay, two thirty-nine, two thirty-nine, two thirty-nine. Found it. <laughs> okay, you mentioned the reporter's job, which you secured at the Arkham Gazette on the strength of a few freelance pieces in your local newspaper. It'll be a relief to get away from vapid society uh, columns, sorry, vapid society columns and whimsical stories. You understand the Gazette covers everything from the breakthrough of researchers at the Miskatonic University to the most sordid exploits of a local ne'er-do-wells. It should be something to get your teeth into at any rate. A writer for a newspaper? Silas seems confused as if he thought the stories somehow wrote themselves. Okay. Oh my goodness. That's gonna take too long. We're just gonna. Just gonna hold it. Okay. 128. Okay, I passed it. It's like the next page. Okay, right here. <clears throat> you realize Silas hasn't made a stop since the incident with the tractor. Uh, the motor coach winds its way uphill. However, your thoughts are interrupted as the road crests a ridge and retreat to a magnificent view of the vista below. A creek snakes through the valleys, breaking the rich autumn palette of the tree line in the distance. Oh, sorry, tree line. In the distance, the white mountains rise into hazy cloud. There is no settlement, not even a cabin as far as the eye can see. Birds drift through the treetops, and you can just make out what might be a two might be two white-tailed deer lingering by the water. Perhaps you are making a mistake by moving to the city. Could you survive? on your own in this lush wilderness. Okay. That's just telling me that buddy buddy boo. You get telling you what bases and stuff work like. Okay, go to 244. Is that 244 or 144? 144, sorry. The motor coach rattles on the way through the hills, and Silas laps into silence. The sky darkens behind you, pinks tinting the clouds as the sun descends. Finally, a welcome sight comes into view, a settlement on the crest of the hill. This doesn't look like the pictures you've seen in Vosipi, but perhaps you can persuade Silas to stop while you stretch your legs. Minutes later, later a harsh stuttering comes from the engine, interrupts your revere. Uh, Silas frowns and rattles the gear stick. The motor coach falters in its accent. Sorry, I said accent. Ascent. Ascent. Sorry. Is ascent. Silas is a curse you don't recognize and grinds his teeth, struggling at the wheel. You seem to inch up the hill until you reach the first buildings. Low dwelling constructed from a rough red stone. Silas wrestles the coach into a small bay off the road, he scrambles from his seat and makes for the engine compartment. Okay, uh, I could go with Drive Auto, or I could go with, uh... I could go with Psychology, but that's a terrible idea. You know, we're going to go drive a auto. That's going to be the easier one. 
71. Okay, that fails. Okay, failure will go to 194. So I guess I probably should explain. Essentially, how the dice work is it's a D100. You have a number dedicated to a stat or a skill, and you have to roll the D100, and you have to roll under that. Okay, 94. One ninety four. Okay. Just wanted to double check. Okay. <clears throat> Silas opens the engine compartment and sticks his head inside. The hot metal pipe. The hot metal pops and sizzles. Uh, he pokes at various compartments. Uh, and then withdraws and wipes his brow, smearing it with dark grease. And sure, what wrong? Might be the oil pressure. Might be something knocked off kilter when we took that spill. Can't do much until the engine cools, neither. And with the light falling, I reckon we'll be here through the night. He wipes his hands on a rag. The shadows from you, uh, the shadows from your surrounding are already long and the air is chilly. You feel stiff from the journey and the night in the rickety coach sounds unappealing. Silas sees are just made. This here, here's Amblehead, miles from any place. I only come here, I only come through here twice a week. But the folks here are good people. Uh, May. Lead better keeps a spare room. She'll look after you. Up that alley, turn right, first house on the left. He scratches his cheek, looks again at the engine compartment, and spits on the ground. Meet back here at 8 in the morning. We'll see how we stand. Okay, so I have options. I can... I could look for that house. I can ask him how he'll spend the night. I can challenge him about the breakdown, which I... Don't actually know what that entails, but I'm curious. I'm gonna go with that. Uh, Two fifty-seven. Doink. Okay, that's two fifty. Should be the next page. Two fifty-seven. Okay, well, I've uh, I've not done. You confront Silas with your suspicions. His brow darkens and he shows. A mouthful of twisted teeth. Ain't that just like you city types? He spits. Thinking the worst of a man after he's gone out of the way to attend to your comfort. He stalks around to the back of the coach and hauls your bags on the rack, dumping them on the ground at your feet. Take them! Otherwise, I guess you'll be accusing me of favor in the morning. He marches off into the darkness, raging. That could have gone better. Alright, 267. Okay. You drag your cases between the sullen buildings. You find surprisingly weary, despite the fact you've spent all day sitting down. Status' direction leads you to a modest dwelling with a slate roof. A nameplate reads, Leadbetter. And underneath the sign, you see in a neat copper plate reads, Lodging Room. The lane around you is gloomy. The lamp flickers in the window. A breeze chills your face. You're not about to begin your new life by sleeping in the street. You wrap on... The weather beaten door. I gotta go to page four. Nope, I already went too far. Too far again. Help! Okay, page four. This is going well. We accused a man of uh, stealing from us. Okay, after a moment, you hear footsteps outside the house. A bolt is drawn back, and the wooden door swings open. A figure with loose curls and a rough-looking house dress peers at you. Her gaze uh, takes in your traveling suit and your cases. Her voice has a slight Irish lilt. Liddy, liddy, liddy. Uh, I guess... Yeah, fuck it, let me go full Irish. Hello, should I take it as you're looking for a room for the night? You inquire as to her rates, suppressing a grimace... As far as you see in the village, does not offer many alternatives. Oh, you'll find them quite reasonable. She says, you look tired. You, oh, sorry. You look tired. I may. Come inside and we'll talk over a cup of tea. <laughs> okay. Uh, the letter bed. Sorry. Yeah, the letter. The lead better house feels cramped with a low ceiling and simple fittings, but it is well kept and a cheerful fire crackles in the grate. The aroma of the tea is soothing and the cup warms your fingers. Have you come to Amberhead for the festival? Asks May. 
Uh, so I can I can ask explain what happened with him the coach or I can ask about the festival. I can, you know fuck Silas. I'm gonna ask you about the festival. We're asking about the festival. It was like twenty one, I think. Yeah, twenty one. Okay. <clears throat> What's this? Uh, well, no, I suppose the festival's the only reason folks come to Amberhead. I thought you'd come to study it or take photographs. That's not tomorrow night, but the night after, I suppose. It looks very strange to a passerby. May touch your tea. The spout chinks against your cup. We got, a, we got the beacon, you see. One night every year, there's a torch-lit procession. <laughs> and we like the beacon on the cliffs. You've never seen the... the uh, <laughs> this church was a gibberish. Uh, I was, uh... You've never seen the likes of it. They say it keeps the spirit of the village alive for another year. It's a celebration. A celebration. She trails off for the moment and blinks. But you'd come here to listen to me blather. And you must be hungry. I could rustle you up a bit of stew. How would that be? You ask again about her rates. And May names a price so low you could accept it without hesitation. Uh, the room is small and comfortable. And the stew dark and hearty. After dinner, you have a couple hours before your usual bedtime. Um, I could either talk to May some more, I could walk around to get my bearings, or I could turn in for an early night. Uh, yeah, I will walk around. I think getting to know the place, even if we're going to be here for like a week, for, for a week, for like a day, potentially. I don't know, this car may be broken down for like weeks. 75. Okay, next page. There we go. Okay. May's brow creases as you announce your intention to take a stroll. Mind how you, mind how you go, she says. Ever uh, head surrounded by cliffs. We don't have much fancy street lamps here. Take this lantern and watch your step. I don't know why she's like fucking Samwise game. <laughs> watch your step, Mr. Frodo. Okay. Uh, outside... You see what she means. The sky is overcast, and only a few glimmers of moonlight peek through the clouds. Without a heavy lantern, you'd be walking in near-total darkness. You cannot hope to get an overview of the village tonight. Maze Street is a narrow passage uh, hemmed in by a squat, dark dwellings. At the end, however, it opens up. A wide thoroughfare, thoroughfare, uh, sorry, wide thoroughfare leads... Off to your right, a crude sign names it as Silbury Street. Sorry, Silbury. Silbury, I don't know, whatever you want to pronounce it. Uh, street. To the left, a few yards away, uh, your light picks up the crooked post of a simple fence. And beyond that, the ground drops away into darkness. Uh, you take a couple of steps closer, but you see nothing. Air from below you cools your face. Then some instinct makes you look around. Go to 86. That's on the next page. This page is with 85. <clears throat> okay. An ink back black. An ink back. An ink black figure stands in the road about 20 yards behind you. It stares at you. You form the sudden impression that it will run at you and throw you off the cliff's edge. This is unsettling. Seeing it's been started, the figure slips down an alley. You know, I'm gonna be curious to a fault. I'm gonna con I got options either return to the safety of the lead better house or confront the dark figure. I'm gonna go with the worst option. I'm gonna confront this dark figure. That's a one twenty one. Okay. Uh, as you approach, the figure takes a pace back and then another it slips down the alley between two buildings. To catch your target, you must make a track roll. Okay. I succeed, go to blah blah blah. If I don't, go to blingy blingy blue. Okay, well, I got slim odds. Man, that's already failing. Yeah, that's, that's straight 30. Uh, that's more than my track. My track skill is uh, not good. Okay. Uh, if I fail, I'll go to 130. Okay, the figure moves fast, with almost silent steps. 
You are hampered with a heavy lantern in an unfamiliar environment. You emerge from the alley into a dusty courtyard. You can detect no signs of your quarry. You scratch around for a few minutes, but the figure has gone. It seems unwise to continue your stroll through the unknown dark streets while this threatening presence is abroad. Uh, you head back to the Ledbetter house. May lets you in and sails back at her chair. Soon she begins to yawn. I believe I'll turn in. Uh, what would you like your breakfast? Go to six. I almost said six thirty-three. Sorry, six sixty-three. <clears throat> okay. This maze stands. You hear a clunk behind you. Uh, you look over your shoulder, but all you can see is a wooden door securely closed. May touch the young lady of the house. She's been listening to us, Ruth. Come down to greet her guest. Uh, there's a short pause, and then the door creaks. Two white eyes appear from your gap between tousled hair and a rough nightgown. What do you say? The eyes blink. I don't know what stupid voice I want to do for this character now. Pleased to meet you. Now get back to bed. The door closes again. My daughter Ruth, ten years this summer. She's a delight and a torment all in one. Don't worry, she sleeps with me. She'll not disturb you. Good night now. <laughs> this voice is getting worse and worse as we keep going. Okay. Uh, da -da -da, you retire to your room. It's a little chilly, but you're too tired to worry about lighting the fire. The sheets are clean, and the bed soon warms up. The silence outside is strange after living the town for so long, but you soon drop off. Go to 154. We're going to go to 154. Uh, I'll keep doing that stupid fucking voice. Uh, 154. Okay. I was like, wait a minute. Okay, uh, you dream of a fire in a grate. Uh, coruscating colors shimmering through the dancing tongues of flame. At first they are tiny, almost microscopic. But they grow and grow until a kaleidoscope inferno spills from the fireplace. Spreading across the floor and up the sheets. You wake the day with a start. Daylight glints. Sorry, glints through the curtains and you get, get up and examine the grate, blinking from your sleep. Uh, blinking from the sleep of your eyes. It's quite cold. You haven't taken any damage. Would make recover any hit points that I may have lost, which I haven't. Despite the fact I made a really awful decision, but okay. I tried to confront a figure. Okay, 60s, 166. <coughs> Uh, you may seem to have no running water, but I've supplied some in a ceramic mug. Or sorry, ceramic jug. You freshen up at the washstand and go in. She cooks a hearty breakfast and leaves you in a place to eat at about 7.30. You're paid up, packed, and ready to go. You bid me goodbye, and she wishes you for the best in your new career in Arkham. Okay. Then, uh, uh, 192. The continuous riveting tale. I can. Okay, 192. You're already tired of your heavy bags. Hopefully, Silas has repaired the motor coach and you can resume your long journey. A sour puss he might be, but the old driver seems to understand his vehicle well enough. You pause to check your watch. Still 20 minutes early. And. Around the final corner, the motor coach is gone. Uh-oh. I should have said mean things to him, I guess. Uh-oh. Uh, you put your bags down and search the area, trekking up and down slopes around the corners, around the edge of the village. You trace the long road behind as it winds up across the hills. Eight o'clock comes and goes. There's no coach to be seen. A passing villager notices your bags. Looking for the bus? I am take off at first light. He's due back here in three or four days if you need a place to stay. May Led Ledbetter rents a room. The man raises his hat to you and strolls under the village. You curse Silas under your breath. Perhaps he went for parts, but you wonder if the old goat is stranded here on purpose. Probably. I, pr I accused him of of fucking with me, deliberately, uh, leave deliberately stranding us here. Uh, 218, okay. So maybe, 
Okay, May is doing laundry and looks surprised to see you again. Forgot something. When you explain the situation, she offers to store your bags while you try to arrange alternative transport. You are grateful and relinquish the load. Nobody here has anything like a car. She strokes her chin and narrows her eyes. Maybe you could find someone with a horse and cart for your bags. I could ask around later. Try Mr. Winters at the village hall. He'll know if anyone will. Or ask him on the artisans. Their workshops are left on Silbury Street. Uh, she reaches over and squeezes your wrists. Don't worry. I won't see you sleeping in the street. Money or no money. You thank May and return to the face... Return and turn to face the village. I cannot read for the life of me. Turn to face the village. Okay, go six. Okay, you wander... You wander the streets of Amberbed without any particular destination in mind. The village is built on relatively flat upland with splendid view... Views... Uh, to the north, go this. <clears throat> Had to get that one out. Okay. Uh, to the north, the hazy tips of the White Mountains reaches for the heavens. To the south, the sparkling waters of. I don't even know how to pronounce that. I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> uh, the lake to the sparkling waters of a lake to the north, or to the south. Sorry. Uh, touch the horizon. The village itself is less. It takes less than five minutes to cross from edge to edge. You've arrived on the winding road to the west. The only road leads leaves to the south, following a lower ridge of land as it turns east in the southwest of the village. An open, grassy space borders a ruined church. Its graveyards, graveyard cresting on cliffs to the northeast. Three main thoroughfares uh, meet to a raised black metal structure. It looms stark against the blue sky. Okay. Um, ask about transport at the general store. Seek out the village hall. Walk down the lower levels and take out the eastern road. Examine the large metal structure. Explore the church. Look for local people with their own transport. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna just ask about transport at the general store. You know what? I'm gonna go page 16. Okay. Uh, the general store is on a corner beside the main road. Before it plunges, just before it plunges into the south, the shopkeeper is a brisk, immense lady with a starched apron and strong shoulders. She looks hard at your unfamiliar pa uh, face. Unfamiliar pace. Uh, I don't know what that. Transport. There's a motor coach that comes here twice a week. Missed it. Hmm. Truck brings in my supplies every second Tuesday. But that's not due until next week, she shrugs. Seems Emberhead is content to keep its distance from the outside world. Okay, I could buy I can buy things here, but I'm not going to. Alright, twenty-five. Okay, you're beginning to get your bearings in Ember in Emberhead. Would you like to explore some more? Okay, if I'm ready to move on. Uh I think I'll, you know what, I, I give up, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Go to three. The morning exertions have left you hungry. You roam the streets of Emberhead looking for sustenance. There's nothing resembling a busy cafes or your hometown, or anything that might be called a restaurant. Yet in the beginning, looks like you'll have to get supplies from the general store when May Ledbetter comes down the street with a girl trailing in her wake. This must be Ruth. As she notices you, she races past her mother and approaches you with a smile. There's a different... This is a different Ruth from the shy creature of last night. Uh, she reaches you. She stops. She stretches uh, her arms up in celebration. She looks up in your eyes abruptly. The smile drops from her face. What on earth? From Okay, the smile drops from her face and looks several years older. Get out before the festival, she hisses. Get out! She blinks hard and scuttles back toward her mother. Uh, she approaches, wrapping an arm around the daughter's, daughter's shoulder. She smiles. How are you getting on? Have you found transport? Startled, you explain the frustrations of the situation. I'd try Mr. Winters in the village hall. He's always in. <laughs> He's always in of an afternoon. 
You'll be hungry by now. Help yourself to food in the house. The doors are locked. You glance at Ruth where she's squirreled herself behind her mother's leg. Her eyes implore you to silence. You know what? Uh, I'm assuming I'm not going to get any any fucking answers if I ask about this, but I will I will try. I will ask May what Ruth, about what Ruth says. This is page 15. You ask May why Ruth wants you to leave town. She gives her daughter a hard stare. Ruth, Ruth looks to the ground. May says, Ruth doesn't like it when we have guests in her house, but she needs to learn that we don't always get what we want in life. Sometimes we have to do things we might not like, not best like, but they're necessary all the same. Uh, May shakes her head, uh, shakes her head at you, and then nods in the direction of her, of the house. You catch a hint of emotion behind those green eyes. Page 22. Okay, you take your leave of, of the Ledbetters and head to... And head towards their house. Uh, the doors opens easy in a low kitchen. You make a meal from stodgy bread and leftover stew. A little window offers you a view of the mountains. If you've learned one thing this morning, it's uh, it was that Emberhead streets hold a little to occupy the visitors from out of town. But there's still about five hours of daylight remaining. You can make some take some provisions and the bare essentials from your luggage. Not hopes of reaching another settlement before dark. Or you could ask for Mr. Winters. I mean, this is a hard choice. I could either say "fuck you, I'm out," and I'm gonna attempt. I'm gonna walk this myself. Or I could just ask someone. You know what? I'm gonna fuck it. I'll try. I'm gonna head to the village hall and I'm gonna go ask this Mr. Winters and be like, "Hey, are you Mr. White Christmas? Or are you Mr. Snow? Did it? Did it?" Very topical joke for this Halloween <laughs> special. Uh, the village hall overlooks the north ridge of the village. You walk along Silbury Street to find it. Conscious of the oppressive black structure framed at the end of the road. <clears throat> the shutters of the hall are open and some windows left ajar. There's no knocker, but a little bell over the entrance twinkles as you push the front door, inside a sturdy door to your right, marked private, to your left, an opening leads into a bright room. You take a few steps inside. Uh, benches line the walls, and there's two nose boards mounted between the windows. It's like, is there the, the nose boards or knock on the door? I'm going to knock on the door, because I need to talk to this Mr. Winters fellow. 24. <clears throat> You raise your hand to knock on the door, but it opens completely. It opens before you can complete the movement. A middle-aged gentleman behind it takes an involuntary step behind, adjusting his spectacles. You hasten to apologize and introduce yourself. He steadies himself and peers at you. I see. I'm Clyde Winters. Just visiting you, say. And you've come to see me. Hmm. Care for some coffee? I usually take a cup around this time of the afternoon. His invitation seems quite genuine enough and a good opportunity to ask him questions that are on your mind. Go to 43. See, it's going somewhere. We're going to die soon. Okay, you step through the door marked private. On the other side of the village hall is marked uh, in is in marked contrast to the public space. The office is compact, lined with shelves and books and files uh, and file alcoves. One corner is reserved for a tiny pantry and one is presumably a water closet. You study Mr. Winters as he's as he fills his uh, percolator, although thin on top, his hair is oiled. Okay, although thin on top, his hair is oiled and neatly swept back. His suit is a sober affair and well tailored, even if the cut is a little old-fashioned. A lesser man working alone may have loosened his bow tie for comfort. On the desk, against the opposite wall, you notice what looks like a telegraph set. Uh, I'm going to ask about this. Okay, so I can either ask ask about the telegraph immediately, or I can make small talk. Look, I'm in a hurry. I'm going to just... I need you. To, I need to use your telegraph, sir. Uh, 56. The telegraph. Hmm. Much as we value our isolation, we do need the link sometimes. You were helping... To send a message. 
I must apologize. The line has been down for two weeks. I reported the fault, but of course, they're not so speedy when the problem lies in a rural area. I'm expecting a repair the day after the next. I do appreciate how frustrating this must be. The coach is due in, what, three days? I think he's going west. Might want to engage a wagon. One of the farmers might. You explain... You explain... Sorry. You explain that you've asked a few of the residents already, but to no avail. I tell you what, Winters pours you a steaming cup of coffee. Dark liquid smells rich and strong. When the repair crew arrives, I'll ask them to take you back with them. How would that be? They might want a dollar or two to grease the wheels. <laughs> awesome. Uh, the day after tomorrow, it's less than ideal, but a real opportunity you have. Uh, to thank Mr. Winters and go uh, to ask about his library. I don't give a shit about his library, so we're going to go to 180. One eighty. Okay. As light fades, we return to the Ledbetter house and eat a light supper. May is usually uh, unusually was it Taturn? Yeah, Taturn. Uh, Ruth's eyes flick to yours several times during the meal. There is an urgency there you cannot quite interpret. Afterwards, May ushers the girl into their room. You've been in Everhand for barely one whole day and you already feel confined by it, both geographically and socially. This evening has little to offer. Okay. Do you can do some stargazing or attempt to speak to Ruth. I'm gonna, I'm gonna attempt to speak to the child. Because she did say some ominous shit that I kind of want to know about. Okay, 130... One thirty-eight. Okay. In time, May returns to the kitchen and busies herself cleaning up. Uh, you speak to Ruth. You'll need to get. Uh, oh, sorry. To speak with Ruth, you'll need to get May to leave for a short while. You help with the dishes and try to think of a ruse. In time, an idea comes up to your mind. Ask us about friends of the village. Uh, May narrows her eyes. Uh. He knows Troy on the other side of town, she says. Uh, not sure I'd call them friends, more like an old feuding couple. But he probably spent last night at Troy's place. You ask May if she could visit Troy and ask if Silas mentioned any plans to returns. May looks dubious. Right now she speaks. Uh, okay. Best appealing emotions. Hmm. Rush into compliance. I will. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm gonna attempt to be like, please, put it, put it, please. I really, really like if you would fucking help me. It's vital. I need to leave. I need to get the fuck out of here. Okay. I gotta get under. I gotta get thirty or under. Another roll. Another roll, gamers. That's a 25, baby! That's a 25! And you know what that means! That succeeds! Okay, uh, 145. Well, I suppose it'll only take a few minutes. I don't know, I feel like vaguely Italian now. Uh, May fetches her coat, fetches a coat, and heads out into the night. You give her time to get clear, then rap on the bedroom door. Nothing comes but silence. Then feet pad across the room. The door opens a few inches. Ruth's eyes stare through the gap, glancing from left to right. You explain her mother has left the house and ask what's been bothering her. Those eyes flick up and stare at you. It's tomorrow. She whispers. Same as every year. They took my dad. They'll take you if you let them. Uh, the conviction in her eyes is chilling. You press her. Who is she talking about? All of them. Everyone. They've been watching you since you got here. You're marked. Her voice is hollow. One year... I'm sorry. One year. When I'm older. They'll take me. You hear footsteps approaching from the outside. Loose eyes flash and the bedroom door slams. You turn back to drying the dishes. May enters and removes her coat. That man is a waste of time. She hisses and heads through to the bedroom. Okay. 
cool. Uh, now go to one fifty-seven. That's the next page. Okay. Uh, the familiar surroundings of your guest room are becoming constrictive. The neat bed, small wardrobe, and dressing mirrors still have the feel of a prison cell about them. What are you still doing here in Emberhead? Your new life is elsewhere. You lie in the bed, still a small crack in the ceiling. You turn over to the day's events, thinking through the little details you've spotted. You're certainly wary from the elevation and the fresh air. But do you feel safe here? I am not going to sleep. Uh, I can let myself fall asleep. I can stay awake. Uh, fuck you. I'm staying awake. 2.30. I'm not letting, the, I'm not letting these fuckers get me. They can't stop me. 2.30. I will have you know. Okay, sleep presses down on you. You blink back. You blink it back and sit up trying to think through your situation. Everything in Emberhead seems to be working to stop you from leaving. Perhaps the answer is to strike it out at first light and walk as far as you can, as fast as you can. You can always return for your possessions. And if you lose them, you have nothing so precious that it can cannot be replaced. A tiny creak draws your attention from the other side of the room. Slowly, almost silently, the doorknob is turning. Grab it and wrench the door open. I could pretend to be asleep. I am, uh... I could get the jump. I could be like, fuck you, Grandma. Uh, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna pretend to be asleep. Go to 240... 254. Okay. You slide on the bed and lie on your side. Eyes closed. The hinges creak. As the door opens, there's a long pause. A footfall sounds inside your room. Uh, then another. The steps are careful and feminine. You give it a, uh, you give it a moment... Then open one eye a crack. May crouches uh, with her eyes back to do. She's feeling something in the fireplace. To confront me, I don't like what she's doing, so I'm actually going to do that. It's time to confront. Uh, 260. May jumps as you swing your legs out the bed and speak. Stop right there, you dumb bitch. Uh, that's, that's what it says in the book. Uh, I, I thought it might be cold. I thought I would light the fire, <laughs> Mr. Frodo. Uh, she sweeps something away uh, with her hand behind her. You stare, but you cannot see. But you see nothing in the grate. I should have disturbed you. I'm sorry. She stands to leave. Uh, you make an intimidate roll. Okay. I'm trying to find where the fuck I had intimidate on the thing here. Right here, found it. Okay, that's gonna suck. I'm not gonna. My thing's 15. That's 78. I fail. <laughs> no. Okay, go to 32. This is gonna be a story of how I die in real life. Okay, 32. Anger flashes in May's eyes. Would you strike a woman in her own house? She snaps. Eighteen people live on the street. I if I scream, every one of them will come running. Uh, she scrambles for the guest room into her, into her bedroom. You consider pursuing the issue, but decide against it. Uh, to secure it over the chair and get some sleep. Go to eight. Stay awake all night. I am gonna go to sleep, but I'm gonna secure my door like a like a like a big brain fool. Fifty eight. Okay, you awaken to the sound of feet on the street outside. Your night's rest has brought new ten, uh, new determination. Today, you will meet Emberhead on its own terms. I have not been wounded, so I am good. Go to 64. Okay, uh, the letterbed kitchen is empty, although bread and eggs have been laid out for your breakfast. There's a note for May explaining that she's taken Ruth out for a few hours. If you're involved into a fight, I was not involved in the fight last night. Uh, go to 78. Okay, you make it a you make a quiet circuit of the village, pausing in unobtrusive places uh, to watch the villagers. It's rather busy f for this time in the morning. Yawning locals seem uh, stream back and forward across the roads, carrying bundles of split logs. The site of what seems to have already been referred to as the beacon. Uh, you see two figures already up in its structure, arranging the wood. The festival bonfire is most impressive, but do you intend uh, to stay to see it? You suspect I know something amiss here. Well, the villagers are distracted. You can do some illicit investigation or simply leave town without looking back. Uh, I'm going to leave town. I was told I'm going to fucking die, so uh, I'm going to I'm gonna do that. 
Okay, uh, so let's get out of Like Zoinks, Scoob, we gotta get out of here. Rut row, Raggy. <laughs> We're going to 7, I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck out of here. Okay, as you approach the southern road that descends into the lower ridge, you see four villagers blocking the route with farm tools and clubs. You veer off and head towards the rest road. Your heart sinks as the exact same scene as the other exit. I am trapped. No! Okay. Uh, so I either try to talk my way or slip past in disguise. I kind of like trying disguise just because I think that'd be really fucking funny. So I'm going to do that. Uh, 125. 125. I'm going to slip past in disguise. Okay, on the other side of May Ledbetter Street, you see a washing line with some baggy crumpled clothes. It's not a lot of wor not a lot to work with, but you can use your own clothing as stuffing. Improvise a hat and change your gait to a stooped shamble. Nobody gives you a second look as you limp towards the southern exit of the village. The guards are still waiting at their station, scrutinizing passerbys, but they're beginning to look bored. Oh, God. <laughs> this is a terrible idea. I have to make a hard roll. No. Disguise. I'm not even good at disguise. <laughs> Shit. Fuck. I'm gonna die. Don't fail me now, dice. 14. If it was a regular check, I would have succeeded, but no, it's hard, so it's like half. Damn it. Okay, if I fail, I go to 139. Okay, the local, these locals aren't as stupid as you think. They grab you and march you back to the center of the village. Go to 108. I've. I thought my brilliant disguise would work. Okay, the fading light f uh, from a narrow window tells you the afternoon is giving way to evening. Your hands are shackled behind you, so you can't even lie down on the rough bed. A woman you have not seen before comes in. Her face is wrinkled and her eyes dull. They do not meet yours, but you put cups to your lips. Uh, I'm not drinking where the fuck this is. Leave me alone. Uh, go into 113 to not drink it. Okay. You turn your face away, and when she tries again, you dash the cup from her hands. Uh, the cup from her hands using the side of your head. The clear liquid spills across the floor. The woman gives you a half shrug and turns to leave the room. You shout after her, but she gives no reaction. You soon become thirsty. Go to 205. Two oh five. I why is this so far? Okay, found it. Okay, as the light fades outside, your little prison becomes dark. You can uh you can hear much activity around the building. Occasionally, an orange glow passes the window. The only comfortable position in the shackle seems to be sit against the end of your bed with your arms hanging behind you. You need to concentrate and come up with a plan. There's clearly no escape from your bonds, but you do not know exactly what your captors want from you, but you cannot ignore the fact that they have spent the entire day constructing a massive bonfire. I'm going to get fucking wicker manned, aren't I? I'm getting go to twenty seven. Uh, I'm I'm gonna get Wickermand. They're gonna burn me alive, and it's not gonna be. I'm gonna say, not 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 a epic gamer move. Kind of cringe. Not gonna lie. Any twenty seven. Uh, twenty seven. Uh, the door scrapes, uh, wrenching you back into the moment. Orange light spills into the house from blazing torches held at the. At the threshold, Goodness. Uh, two large villagers step in and grab you. Uh, at least, you assume they are villagers. They wear heavy black cloaks, and their faces and hands are painted entirely black. Oh no, you can't, you can't, oh no. Can I, Twitter, help me, these guys. <laughs> these guys. Uh, okay, uh, save only for a red triangle centered on their left eye. You try to drag your legs, but they reach on your arms, lift you bodily from the bed outside it seems the whole village is congregated to see you every single one has blackened face with the red triangle motif uh torches sputter and spill fire you struggle but you cannot see physical resistance but you can see physical resistance is hopeless you're marched to the central street turn to face the beacon okay 117 i don't think i'm gonna get out of this i'm just i'm gonna call it now Wait, maybe. I need to double check what the page I was supposed to go to. 
17. Okay. 117, yes. Okay. I am on the right page. I just need to double check sometimes. Okay. Uh, the procession down the approach is slow and formal. Safe. Uh, when you're weakened, your sense, sense, oh my gosh, when you sense weakness and yank at your captors, a chill touch, uh, chill touches you when you see the humans shaped, three human shaped carry, carried ahead of you, draped in red cloth, the beacon looms larger and larger, it's dreadful silhouette, a black triangle pointing to the stars, a low drone begins among the cloaked figures, unbidden, the word mourner comes to mind, mourners come to mind, Smoke from their torches makes you cough and you feel the heat on your face. And when you reach the cleared area around the beacon, three dancers break from their pack. Young girls swing balls of fire in spectacular arcs, drawing circles around the night air. One by one, they draw closer to you and touch your forehead with sooty fingers. Each kiss you three times on your left cheek, right cheek, and then forehead. They whisper into your ear. The smell of kerosene fills your nostrils. Oh my god, okay. Make an appearance roll. That's a 15, that's a seeds. Okay, uh, go to 10. I might have saved my life here, I don't think. I think I'm I think I'm guaranteed to be fucking wicker manded. Oh no. Through the sacrifice Through the sacrifice, the village will be reborn, says the first answer. You pass from earth to air for all our sakes, says the second. I've weakened the chains, says the third. Don't try to escape till the flames are high enough to hide you. You stare at the third dancer in that inky, vi yeah, inky visage. Clearly, uh, you clearly discern the framed features of Ruth. No, Ruth led better. The dancers weave off and disappear behind the buildings. Go to 18. I'm gonna die here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking die. I'm gonna get wicker manned. Like I've said, like, 12 times. Uh, as you arrive beneath the beacon, 10 villagers close in on you, working with surprising coordination. They immobilize you and lift you to the blackened iron stairs to the raised platform. You cannot help but shiver at the sight of the central framework, twisted from past blazes. And what you can do now... Uh, wait. Sorry. And what you can now clearly see to be fastening points for chain. None of the eyes meet yours as, as they lash you to the metal. The village sings now something rhythmic and ancient, uh, carved from odd syllables. A second group ascends to the beacon carrying three red-draped bodies. With reverence, they arrange your burden. Or they arrange their burdens in a triangle around your feet. Then they withdraw, leaving you alone with, uh, with the dead, shin deep in a sea of kindling. Go to 33. I'm gonna die. Uh, you see the entire village gathered around the beacon to watch you burn behind the face paint you recognize May Letterbed. And yes, that is Silas, the coach driver, standing at her side. The audacity and scale of deception staggers you. A man steps up on the des and raises his hands with quiet authority. The frame of his spectacles obscures the red triangle on his face. No! Okay. So we try here again on this night as we do each year and we give thanks to the one who preserved this village against the fire of the void. You'll be taken by the ones from above in our stead. Your death will bring life to our streets and bounty to our fields. It will safeguard our children and elders alike for another year. We salute you. He bows his head. Around the beacon, bears... Uh, step forward and lift their torches to the edge of the raised platforms. A ring of tiny flames flicker around the perimeter as they wink. The singing, uh, the singing of the villagers drops into an unearthly rhythm. I'm not fucking waiting to see what happens. Uh, I'm going to throw my remaining strength against the buns. Because it doesn't matter. If I, like, if this fails, I die. You're tired and your flesh ought to be... Uh, insufficient against the dark iron of the chains, yet you feel to give them a little where there's weakness in one of the links. Okay, I have to make a hard strength roll. Cool. It's not good that I... Uh... 
Okay, gotta get 25 or better. Or, sorry, 25 or lower. No! It's 96! Well, goodbye everybody. Okay. Uh, the flames snake across the kindling, catching and rising. Smoke rises, and it becomes difficult to see the villagers. Uh, the three bodies... I'm gonna move right here. Uh, the three bodies... The three bodies surrounding you catch fire, blazing with sooty red flames. You begin to cough as the smoke enters your lungs and fight down the urge to panic. Okay, go to 65. It's got fucking wicker, man. What is this? This is going great for me. Okay. Flames lick at your legs. Your eyes water. You are shrouded in smoke. It might be your imagination, but you think you can feel a slight give in your chains. You throw yourself against them, giving no thought to how they might bite into your wrist. Okay. Take 1d6 damage from the fire. That's six. I haven't taken any damage before this, so I am still okay. Ten minutes. Oh, four. Oh, no. Okay, I have four health. I'm fine. I'm not fine. Okay. The fifth. The end? Okay. Strength roll. Come on, baby. Eh. You know, actually, I'm going to use these. Right? These really nasty looking ones. No! It's 82! I'm not getting out of this. Alright, I'm dead. Bye bye. 77. Okay. The chains. Uh, the chains give a little more. Uh, you feel that like you could overcome them if only you had a little more time. But you feel the flesh of your legs char. The fire spreads up your jacket and licks at your face. And you know you have run out of time. Goodness. You have burned to death in the beacon. Why not try again? By making different choices, you may be able to escape and outwit the people around ahead. The end. Well, that was something. I died. All right. That was a good, fun time. Uh, I thought it was really neat. Pretty cool. Uh, I have... A longer version of that may do next year but this is where I bid you adieu uh, this is the part where I guess the normal things I do at the end of every episode to go on we have a, uh, we have an email you can just email us stuff at uh, it's just revolving tabletop at gmail.com we have a Twitter it's just uh, revolve tabletop twitter.com slash revolve tabletop or just at revolve tabletop that's about it. We do have a Patreon if you want to give us money. It's completely optional. It's basically just a tip jar. If you like what we do, that's just patreon.com slash revolving tabletop. Uh, but just listening is all you really need to do. We appreciate you for listening. Uh, I guess by we, I mean me because I'm the only one here. But I guess we'll be back. Next time, happy Halloween, everybody. Ooh.